Welcome to another episode of Campus Life, the college side of our podcast here at Campus DeCanton. As always, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Thank you guys so much for your continued support. We're, we're still getting reviews. We're getting you know downloads. We're going up a little bit every week. Uh, we're getting guys jumping in on the site, the Discord. We got a bunch of new members this week. So thank you guys all. This would not be possible without you. Um, just, just big shout out. Uh, you guys are the real number one and, uh, you guys are continuing to allow us to do this. Uh, we love doing it. Um, and this is the best part of the year where we get to continue to look at all these different guys and situations and figure out what's going on. And then by week three, it's all irrelevant. So that is, that's why we <laughs> love this time of the year. <laughs> uh, Colin, you ready to hop in and do some of this tonight? I I'm, I'm hyped tonight. I, I was hyped last week too. I think I warned you when we hopped in. So I'm, I'm hyped again tonight. You, you warned those, me tonight too. <laughs> for, for those of you that have been commenting over the past couple of weeks about how, how much more I am on top of Colin, uh, <laughs> you're brief, but this is going to be another prime example of it, I think tonight. So, um, can't this, wait. This, this, yes, it's going to be fun. Colin really enjoys it. He loves being my, my pinata for an hour and a half here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'm everybody's <laughs> pinata. It's fine. Just how he goes through life. So mm-hmm. a couple a couple of small news items here. We're going to talk a little bit of transfer news and then one uh, coaching hire that happened a couple weeks ago, actually, and we just weren't able to get to it. Um, first transfer is Shadrack Banks, the four-star wide receiver in this year's class. Uh, originally went to AM and Colin, he was one of your guys in this class. So I'm going to kick this over to you relatively quickly here, but it sounds like he's going to TCU. Uh, he kind of Kelvin Benjamin himself, apparently. So how dare you not have been able to predict that um, they're switching him supposedly to linebacker at TCU. So that's how much he Kelvin Benjamin, he even outgrew, he even outgrew tight end. He's now at the linebacker stage of the, of the growth. Um, so Colin, how upset are you? And um, what does this mean for your guy Shadrach? Everybody's favorite biblical player. Yeah. Just give me a sec here to pour one out for, for Shadrach. And clearly this does not look good um you know for my my takes is for him being on the shadrach bandwagon here um you know did not i mean nothing has been substantiated but there were rumors on some message boards and everything that he showed up to texas a&m a good bit overweight um you know which could have led to some of the issues that he had with some of the coaching staff potentially um so you know and then I had even heard a little, I think it was Felix had said, looked at his size and said, man, that guy could play safety. Well, joke's on him because he's playing linebacker, apparently. So it would have been like a 1970s safety or whatever. You know? Yeah. Now they're, now, whatever. <laughs> now, they're, now they're linebackers. But. Yeah. Um, so, but even if he does stay at wide receiver, which, you know, I, nothing has been confirmed either way uh, as far as if he's moving or not. That's just kind of the way the rumble, the rumors are going right now. But even if he does stay at wide receiver, I think moving to TCU is pretty big stock down. Uh, I'm not a big Max Duggan Dugan guy. Um, I don't think he's particularly good of a passer. You know, uh, I mean, Quentin Johnston, good for him for what he did last year. But at the same time, you know, now he actually now Shadrach, even if he stayed at wide receiver, would have a legit wide receiver to compete with. Um, you know, the one of the benefits, one of the things I liked about Texas AM was that wide open wide receiver depth chart. Um, you know, I loved his high end production at a big time school in Texas. 
you know, I loved all the accolades that he got. You know, those are the wide receivers that I typically look to because those are the guys that break out then early in college. I mean, look at Marvin Mims, look at Parker Washington, both guys who were big time producers in Texas, both guys who broke out early. I thought Shadrach could be on a similar path, but it is seeming like that is uh, it's not to be. Yeah, I know I said that I was going to hop on top of you for most of this episode. This is one of those things that you can't. <laughs> no one you could not have foreseen that this guy was just going to Eddie Lacy himself like you just you cannot predict a lot of those things you know we we're not in contact with them and it's just there are rumors that he gained like 50 pounds so yeah like a lot of weight like it wasn't like he showed up a little doughy and they were like what the hell like he he showed up looking like um uh, ben stiller at the end of dodgeball like <laughs> it, it, it was not good for him supposedly so and it sounds like he went to the same high school as zach evans apparently they're good friends so I think that's it sounds like that probably played into his decision a little bit there as well. Um, so if like we're we're like, I think Colin, you said the league that you drafted him in, like it's yeah. a, it's a it's an IDP league. So Colin's like, wow, okay, he just shifts over to the other side of my roster. And, and no <laughs> yeah, harm but I, I still spent way too much on a linebacker on an overweight linebacker, but at least he's still usable for me. I apologize to anybody who listened to me and was on the Shadrach Banks bandwagon as well. Uh, we can. Uh, we can have a commiserating party here. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll meet after the show. And just, just a sobering reminder that no matter how, how much we think we like these guys on tape, there are so many things outside of our control and what we can possibly actually predict. Um, so this, this happens, this will happen to us many times on this show over the next couple of years. Just saw this. I saw this happen Saturday or Sunday morning. I woke up at like seven thirty and I rolled over and was reading this article. I sent it to Colin and I was like, <laughs> "Oh man, like this Sunday just got so much better." Um, next little bit of transfer news here: Stephen Carr, the former five-star running back at USC, is going to Indiana. Carr had a pretty solid freshman year there in California, and then never really kicked on. He would, always seemed like he was dinged up with one thing or another. Fresh start at Indiana. They just lost Stevie Scott, and none of their guys behind him really had inspired a ton of confidence. So I think it's a it's fair to say that that's a very wide open room, and that he's probably going there with the intention of starting. Um, do you like him for you know CFF Devi? Like, does this does this start putting him back on a radar for you, or are you just still very very skeptical on on a Stephen Carr? Um, I'm still a little bit skeptical for sure. Um, but you know, like you said, it's a wide open depth chart there running back with Stevie Scott gone. You know, he has the pedigree. He was the number three running back in that class. He's a five-star guy. He's got the prototypical size. You know, the injuries have held him back a good bit. So that's why obviously a little skeptical here, but I still think either way, it's a pretty big stock up for him. Uh, you know, he was pretty buried at the, on the depth chart there at USC, especially with Keontae Ingram coming in. Brandon Campbell reportedly looked pretty good in spring. So, you know, he was probably going to fall pretty far down that depth chart. So, yeah, I mean, either way, this is a big opportunity for him here. You know, we'll see if he can take advantage of it, if he can stay healthy. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in him now. Um, you know, I'll take him as a flyer in, in the la- back ends of the draft there, although I don't think I'm going to end up with anything any shares of him because I do think that, this is going to make other people, uh, you know, other people are going to be a lot more interested in him than I am. I, I wouldn't take him before round 30, probably. Um, you know, I'd probably take him maybe 35-ish. 
uh, rounds into your into your C2C draft, but I think other people are going to take him earlier than I will. And the nice thing about taking if you have, you know, an extra roster spot and and you spend it on him, you'll know by like week two or three if that's going to be a roster spot that you want to keep him on or if it's time to move on. Right. Because they're going to be bringing Penix back slowly, although I did hear that he is back and working out uh, pretty hard. He's down with Jameis Winston, I believe, at the same place that he works out, uh, doing a bunch of stuff with him. Um, So it sounds like he's going to be ready for opening day, but at the same time, you know, they're probably not trying to completely throw him out there. So I, I think by week two or three, we're going to know what Carr's role is going to look like in that offense. And if it doesn't look like it's going to happen, then no harm, no foul. You can cut him and move on. Um, so that I think that's pretty much can just wrap up what we need to say about about that situation. Um, keep him on your watch list if you have an an extra roster spot at the, at the end of your bench. You know, sure, toss toss a couple fob bucks at him or whatever, or, or waste a not waste spend a a late round draft pick on him. The only other transfer here that we're going to chat about tonight. And we talked about him last week, speculated a little bit about where we thought he would go. Jordan Johnson leaving Notre Dame. And he has decided that he's heading to UCF was a quick turnaround on his, um, his decision there. Uh, Johnson, you know, didn't really play at all last year at Notre Dame. As we said last week, there were rumors that he just wasn't picking up the playbook. Never really got on, wasn't going to practice. Didn't really care about the classroom. We'll see if this was a kick in the butt that he needed, but UCF is the kind of place that needs a, um, you know, needs a guy. He could be the guy there, right? Yeah, I mean, they they definitely need a guy besides Jalen Robinson, and I don't even know if Jalen Robinson can be a true number one. Uh, so yeah, I mean, UCF definitely needs a guy. Um, although I'll give a shout out to our boy Jared from Chasing the Natty. Um, after we were talking about the Gus Malzahn hire at UCF. Um, he pointed me in the direction of Ryan O'Keefe. Um, he said that with Jalen Robinson out, uh, Ryan O'Keefe had been the clear number one guy in spring, and he had reportedly looked pretty good. So, you know, maybe, you know, maybe Jordan Johnson doesn't come in and have an impact that we think right away. But I do also think that Jordan Johnson has the talent that he could very easily come in and have that impact right away. It's all going to come down to whether he finally has his act together, you know, if, if Gus Malzahn and, and UCF can straighten him out, or if, you know, he's going to leave the cold, uh, you know, South bend area for the warm UCF and, you know, it, it gets even worse potentially. Cause you can get into a, if you're disinterested at Notre Dame, uh, there's a lot more distractions at UCF. I'm sure. I'd, um, I feel like I'd be willing to wager that the the women's situation might be a little different between the two schools too. Not to say anything about the ladies at Notre Dame. I'm sure you're right. all lovely, but right. um, but I've seen I've seen Blake Bortles' girlfriend there, and if Blake Bortles, you know, when he was at when he was there, you know, if Blake Bortles can get a girl who looked like that, then you know, there's there's hope for everybody there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Blake Bortles is balding at this point, so yeah, it's yeah, he he looks like he like was supposed to be really good looking and then like something happened along like the very late stages of of him in utero and he just yeah he just aged 10 years all of a sudden yeah yeah um so yes uh that that probably doesn't spell very well for him either and yeah like you said i'm not sure what malzahn's offense will support um with him anyway but um i think at this point like i'm not drafting him maybe like the 40th round of a draft or something but like i'm not touching him in a startup and i guess you know 
this is the kind of guy where you can make a lot back if you can get him in a throw in or something in a deal. But I'm not, I think someone, if they have them, they're going to cling on to him a little bit. So I'm not, he's definitely like, if you can, if you can get anything for him, that's decent as a sell, but I, I'm not sure I'm buying him either. It's just, he's in that weird limbo where I don't really know what to do uh, with a Jordan Johnson. Yeah. He's in the same boat as, as Stephen Carr where, yeah, I'm interested in the back half of the drafts now, but you know, round, you know, 35 ish. But at that point, somebody else is going to take the gamble sooner than I will. So I'm not going to end up with any shares of him in a startup or anything like that. Yeah. Um, the uh, other piece that's not transfer news here, uh, new head coach. And like I said, this happened a couple weeks ago, but we've just had so much going on in the past couple weeks that we didn't really get to touch on this. Kansas has hired a new head coach. They managed to poach Lance Leopold, who was the head coach with Buffalo, I believe, since 2015. Before that, uh, float around Nebraska. He was an assistant. I believe he was the head coach at University of Wisconsin Whitewater. Uh, so now he comes to Kansas. And, uh, you know, a Kansas team that doesn't really have that much talent on the roster. I mean, let's, um, let, let's be honest with ourselves here for a second. But they do have one guy that we're very interested in, Mr. Devin Neal, who we've talked about a couple times on this show and, and has really been shooting up rankings everywhere this offseason. Leopold, when he was with Buffalo, was really known for his rushing offenses. So do we think that this is a great thing for the only guy right now that we care about on Kansas? And do we think that Leopold can maybe build a little something-something um, there with Jayhawks? Yeah, I mean, that's what Lance Leopold does. Uh, he's a program builder. You know, uh, Wisconsin Whitewater, um, you know, he won six national titles there for them. He went 109 and six during from in his stretch there from 2007 to 2014. Um, you know, so he built that program up and built it to a very high level. And then he went to Buffalo. You know, he got that he turned that program around. Buffalo was a place that wasn't really college football relevant at all. And so it's before he got there, you know, and then he he went five and seven, two and ten, and then he went six and six, ten and four, eight and five, and finished six and one last year. So, you know, he keeps getting better, keeps progressing the team, you know, till he gets it to a point where, you know, they start to really be able to take on his system. So, I mean, obviously this is a great hire for Kansas. You know, I think this is their best best option possible. And I think this is also the best option possible for the, like you said, the only skill guy that we really care about there in um, Devin Neal, you know, because one thing that Lance Leopold does really well is run the ball. Well, um, you know, I think that we saw with Jarrett Patterson going to the NFL and how far he fell, you know, some of that probably has to do a little bit with his size, but I think a lot of that has to do with it kind of being scheme dependent there. You know, I'm not trying to take anything away from Jared Patterson. I think he's a fine running back, but I don't think he puts up the numbers that he does anywhere else. So, yeah, I, I think this is really good news for Devin Neal. I don't think it's going to translate necessarily in year one, but, you know, I think by the time you start looking year two, you know, maybe into his junior year, I think he could have, you know, a lot of success and he could put up a lot of uh, a yards on the ground there at Kansas with Lance Leopold there. And, you know, who knows, maybe turn that into a decent NFL draft stock because I think he's probably a better overall talent than what Jarrett Patterson was coming into school. So here's my BuzzFeed article for the month. 
one big secret that people don't want you to know about about incoming head coach, uh, incoming Kansas head coach Uh-oh. Lance Leopold. Um, his rushing offenses haven't been very good until recently at Buffalo. Now I realize he kind of had to build a, uh, the program up a little bit from where it was, but their conference isn't that good. You know, they're in the MAC. There, there are a right. lot of minnows in the MAC, and it's a wide open conference, so you should be able to kind of do whatever you want offensively. Um, like he started there in 2015, you know, whatever the first year, I actually don't really care that much about. So I'm not even, gonna, but they, they, they didn't have that great of a rushing offense. They averaged 150 yards per game the next year, 141 the year after that. It, 2018 is really where it took off where they averaged 190, but even then isn't like the prolific, like we think of Buffalo is like this place where they're just rushing for like a thousand yards a game. And like, they're just dashing people. 2019 was the first year there. So it took them, one, two, three, four. That was his fifth year there that they finally got that big, big rushing offense where they averaged 250 yards a game. So what can we actually really expect from Devin Neal in a conference that is much more competitive and not as wide open as, as the Mac is? I'm actually not sure. I, I think this is obviously, you know, there. it's not going to get any worse for Devin Neal. Right, that's yeah. what I was saying too. Unless they hired one of us, like you know, they, even, even then, I don't know. It, four verts, <laughs> spread them. Um, no, yeah, but I, that's worse for Devin Neal. Yeah, um, <laughs> like I, so I, I don't think this is any worse for him. I'm just not sure it's like the boon that everybody wants it to be because it's going to take them a few years to get to get to that point. And as it's shown, you know, it he can't snap his fingers. I'm not sure it was a as much of a system thing as he finally just got the guys in there to do what he wanted to do. Right. And a lot of the credit this past year has to fall on that offensive line. That offensive line was very experienced. I think we're all five of them seniors or was it just four out of the five? I can't remember. I don't remember. They were all upperclassmen. I'm pretty sure, but I don't don't remember exactly what their, their, uh, their years were. Yeah. They were all upperclassmen. I'm pretty sure the four of the five were seniors. Um, So you know, that definitely obviously plays a big role in it. But something else I will say is despite what you think about Kansas and despite, you know, them kind of being the punching bag, Kansas still gets better recruits than Buffalo did in 2016 and 2015. So I don't think it's going to be as dramatic of a beginning at Kansas as it was at Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo was was not good when they, when they went there. It, it's all relative, though, you know, like – yeah, he didn't get good recruits, but neither does Central Michigan. Or, you know, like the, like he's going to go against, like, you know, every year pretty much Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Texas, Texas Tech. TCU. Like, TC, like they, they, they're, they're big schools there that, you know, are better than anything that came out of the MAC the past couple of years. So I think, you know. That's a good point. All of this stuff is very relative, and people get on you all the time on Twitter when you say like a guy, and you're like, "Yeah, okay, like he he runs a four six, he's fast, he's not as fast as this." Like this stuff is all relative, and I just think that you know it's a big step up uh, for a guy like Leopold that has never had this kind of job. But I, I Kansas is the kind of team you want to root for. Yeah, they they're always bad. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like I always want to root for the Lions. They're always bad. <laughs> Sorry, Felix. <laughs> and they're in the NFC, so not to worry about them. Um, yeah, sorry, Felix. Arizona was like that for years. Um, yeah. They've been respectable uh, the past decade or whatever. Um, 
Cool. So I think that does it for the news here tonight. Um, so we're going to jump into uh, the big part of our, our show here this evening. And we did a show on this about a month ago where we talked about just wide receivers. Like my description was like uh, wide receivers, seriously, like literally everything we talked about. That <laughs> but we talked about seven CFF guys, people that we are very skeptical as to their ability to transition to the NFL and become worth anything over on that side. But as a CFF piece, uh, they were big. And we talked about, you know, Jalen Robinson, Jalen Tolbert, Ja'Cory Roberson. Uh, we talked about all these guys. So we picked out seven running backs here tonight, guys, that we're going to talk about. We're going to break down kind of what we think of these seven. It's not necessarily our top sevens. You know, we're actually, we're not talking about like Kevin Marks here tonight, but he, he's a, he's a, probably a CFF only guy. Um, there are some other names in there as well. But the seven names that I picked out tonight, we have George Halani from Boise State. We have Ronnie Rivers from Fresno State, Chris Smith from Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, Mo Ibrahim from Minnesota, Ulysses Bentley from SMU, Xavier Valade from Wyoming, and Cameron Peoples from Appalachian State. So we're going to do what we did on the last time, where I'm just going to give a couple little, you know, a little bit of information here, and then I'm going to kick it right to you, Colin, and you can chat, and then it'll come back to me. So the first guy I have here is Holani. And um, his, his, so his April ADP, according to the drafts that we have done so far, was 149th overall. So, you know, 12th round, roughly, in drafts. He's 5'11", 200, and uh, disappointed last year a little bit. He was injured, uh, but the year before that, as a true freshman in the Mountain West Conference, he carried the ball 192 times for over a thousand yards and seven touchdowns, but he was also a weapon in the passing game with 26 for two Oh six and three. So Colin, what are your thoughts on George Halani? Um, so I think with George Halani, I like his ability, uh, you know, to, to run the ball here for, for Boise state, you know, he's not, not a lot of competition there. I do question his athleticism overall. I think he's mostly a plotter. So, you know, like you said at the beginning of this, we're not really looking at these guys too much for their NFL potential. But when you are taking a guy in the 12th-ish round, you know, you do still want them to have some NFL potential. And I'm not sure how much he has given his limited athletic ability there. Um, That being said, though, you know, I I do think he's going to put up some nice numbers there at Boise State. Now, Boise State is transitioning to, uh, you know, a new offensive coordinator. Um, his name's escaping me right now, but he was from UC Davis. But that offense is typically spreads the ball out and throws the ball a lot more. So I think that's going to hurt him a little bit. Um, you know, so I have him a little bit lower than you do here in our ranks. And it's not a lot, uh, but, uh, you know, so I am I don't have any problem taking George Alani where he was at at his ADP. I'm probably not going to end up with him though. Uh, because like I said, at that ADP, I do want somebody to have a little bit more of an NFL future. And I don't know how much of his, I see. Yeah. The athleticism is a big thing for me. Like you talked about there. I, I'm, I'm really not sure that he's an NFL quality athlete at the position. And it's a position that, you know, we don't necessarily care if guys are, you know, four, three, five, 40 and you know, jumping 42 inch verts. Like, Running back of all the positions, we probably care about it the least. 
Um, but he's a bad athlete even by those standards because he's not big either. Like no. He's 200 pounds. If he was 220 and he moved like he did, we'd be talking. But he really is not. And it's nice that he got to show that receiving ability with uh, Harson his freshman year because I, I don't know what that's going to look like for him next year. Um, but he, he has at least proven that he's a capable pass catcher. Um, but again, the athleticism, you know, he doesn't profile as a guy that at worst comes to worst in the NFL. He can become a receiving back and, and make up some points that way for you. He just doesn't seem like that kind of a player. So for those reasons, I do have him listed a little higher than these guys. Cause I do think he's going to get drafted and I'm skeptical as to some of these other guys, but, um, I think I am out on him at that 149 ADP as well. Now, if I like hammered wide receiver and QB or whatever early in a draft and I needed a running back. Okay. Maybe I would do it, but I, I typically think a pretty balanced approach. I don't necessarily usually need running back by the 12th round or whatever. So, right. Cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there too. At that point too, like, like we're going to touch on these other guys. I think these other guys are going to produce even better in college. Um, especially like I said, given the transition to a new offense. Yeah, so maybe we're both too high on him. Maybe we're going to have to move him down after the show is over. Um, so the next guy we have here is Ronnie Rivers. His April ADP is 201. I love that ADP. I said that yeah. when I pulled that number. We were sitting here before the, the show, and I was like, oh, boy, 201. Um, I, I am in a startup right now that I just took Rivers in the 14th round, I believe, or something like that. was very happy with that. He is 5'9", 195. He's an older guy. He's already been at Fresno for four years, accumulating uh, decent stats all four years. Um, last year, six games, he had 507 rushing yards, a little over five a carry, 27 catches for 265 yards. So he is a very much a receiving threat. He has those NFL bloodlines. Colin and I have him ranked, and I guess I should have said this for – for Helani as well. So Helani, we have Colin has Helani at his running back 40. I have Helani at running back 34. For Rivers, I have Rivers at running back 39. And Colin, you have him as RB 45. So what are you thinking about with Rivers? Um, so I think Ronnie Rivers is going to put up some massive stats this year. Um, I think he's going to put up, you know, right on pace with what he was doing last year. Uh, I think that when we already talked about that Fresno state offense, uh, you know, I think that that offense is going to be very good this year as well. Yeah. You, I know you're re, you're even higher on it than what I am. Um, uh, so, you know, he's going to be a great college producer. Uh, and I love his receiving ability. The only thing I don't like about him is his size. Um, five, nine, one ninety five is not bad, but it's not anything that, is going to lend to a substantial role at the NFL level. So, you know, that's again, why I have them a little bit lower now after doing this exercise and looking at it, I might even move him up a spot or two and Halani down a spot or two, you know, that there's only five spots in between them, but that could converge here because I do think he's going to put up an even better year than Halani will this year. Um, so if you're just looking at that, you know, one year, for your college production, you know, I don't hate it at the, at ADP 201. You know, I don't hate that at all. I think that's it, solid. Yeah. Like I said, I just took him in the 14th round. Um, so what that equals out to, you know, 100 pick 160 or 170 or whatever. 
Um, so significantly earlier than that. And I honestly was sweating the whole time it was coming back to me because I really <laughs> wanted them. And I was, I kept thinking that maybe I was going to get, uh, get sniped a little bit at the end there. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I think he's, he's undersized, you know, and I, he's a good athlete, but to, if you're 195, you have to be a great athlete in my opinion to make it in the NFL. Um, and I just don't know that I quite see that level of athleticism out of him. So I do think he's going to struggle, but yes, I think he's going to be a top, 10 fantasy running back this year, uh, assuming that he stays healthy. And um, I think when you look at CFF drafts, you know, he doesn't leave the first, you know, couple of rounds. He's in leagues that only value that production. So he should be a valuable guy and uh, he's cheap. You know, if someone doesn't value the college side too much, then you can, uh, you can really get him for, for not so much. Next guy on the list is Chris Smith. Uh, Like I said, uh, Louisiana, uh, five nine one ninety four. He does not have ADP with us right now. He has not been selected in any of these drafts Oof. yet. Don't let Felix hear that. Yes, but I'm pretty sure that he's going to be. Though. People are starting to talk about him a lot more. I see his name come up a lot of places. So I think that that we'll see a shift there uh, over the next uh, month or two. Um, he's been behind a couple guys there at at ULL. Um, between Elijah Mitchell and Trey Regis. So not a ton of volume stats, but 2019, he had 32 carries for 334 yards. So yes, over 10 yards carry. You did that math in your head, right? Good job, guys. <laughs> Four touchdowns. And then last year in 11 games, he had 62 carries for 350 yards and a touchdown. So still averaged a, you know, a healthy 5.6 yards per carry. He, the past couple of years, they've been known for the running backs. He figures to be the guy there. Um, Colin, looking at our rankings here, you have Chris Smith at 69. Nice. I have him as RB69. Nice. nice. And just so that people know, I had him as that before the show, and Colin moved him right before we kicked off. So Colin copied me. I consider that the sincerest form of flattery. Thank you, Colin, very much. <laughs> Tell me about Chris Smith and how I persuaded you to put him where you did. <laughs> Um, you know, you had a little bit to do with it, but I, I, you know, I think you're over inflating your self-worth there, but you know, what else is new? Um, you know, I, yes, I did move Chris Smith up uh, in my rankings after seeing this here. Um, you know, I, he was at 74. Uh, that was definitely too low given the volume that I think he's going to have this year. Cause wasn't nice like, enough. Wasn't, nice. wasn't nice enough. Right. <laughs> uh, like you said, Louisiana uh, Lafayette, they've been known for their running backs. You know, they just had two guys go in the draft this year in uh, Elijah Mitchell and Trey Raggis. Um, the year before that, they had Raymond Calais too. So, you know, they've they put out three. They're probably not backs that are going to do a ton in the NFL, but they're three NFL caliber backs. You know, they're all on a roster somewhere. So, or, or they were at one point, I'm not sure if Calais is anymore, but either way, you know, I, I, there, he had a lot of competition. So you have to put those numbers in context. So he's the guy this year though. Uh, it's him. Uh, and then it's, um, Na- oh, see, uh, Nate Bailey. Yes. Nate's guy, Amani Bailey. Um, I wanted to say, I knew it was Bailey. I could not come up with that first name, but yeah. Um, uh, Nate Marquise talked about him when we had him on our show. So, it's going to be those two guys, but I think it's mostly going to be the Chris Smith show. So yeah, I mean, I'm all over him this year for a uh, CFF purposes. Uh, you know, I think he's, his steal. He's not even being drafted in our 15 round mocks. 
So, you know, at that ADP, yeah, I'm all over that. Uh, I love that. Uh, I need, like I said, I moved him up. He may even move up another spot or two. I don't know. Um, you know, after this exercise, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the Chris Smith bandwagon here. He's a great guy where like, if you, um, if you last year, you know, graduated all your running backs from an already existing roster or in your first couple rounds of a startup this year, you snagged Jace McClellan and Travion Henderson or something as your first two running backs, you know, probably not going to get a lot of production out of those two guys this year. You can sit there, be really happy with those guys a year from now and snag a Chris Smith and a uh, DeMontre Tuggle or something in, you know, the not the top 15 or 20 rounds and get, get great production, push them on and then bring up Henderson and, and McClellan or whoever. And all of a sudden you're, or Kendall Milton or, you know, whoever you're taking in that range. And you're, and you're very, very happy with, with how that works out. I don't really have anything else to add. Um, but yeah, he's, he's going to do a lot of, a lot of great things there this year. That whole offense, you know, seems like it's going to be him, Imani Bailey, like you said, and then Kyron Lacey, a wide receiver. Those are kind of the pieces that you want to own there. And um, I don't see Lacey or Bailey getting drafted anywhere. Um, so it was, Smith is definitely the headliner of the trio. Um, next guy on our list here is Mo Ibrahim. I would argue probably the most well-known guy on our list. Would you Would you argue with that? It seems like he gets a fair amount of chatter. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't argue with that. Probably because he's the only guy we're talking about here that comes from a P5 program. Um, his April ADP was 115 overall. He is 5'10", 210. I do not believe that he's 210. He is heavier than that. <laughs> um, in terms of how we have them ranked, Colin, you have Ibrahim as your RB36. I have him as my RB40, so very, very close again, um, but I didn't feel the need to copy you, so they are a little bit different here. Um, Fair. Tell me a little bit about your your thoughts on Mo Ibrahim. Uh, so Mo Ibrahim at that ADP is the most expensive of these backs here for sure. Um, he is my highest ranked back, but I don't, I'm not going to end up with him in a lot of places at that ADP um, because, again, you know, we're talking NFL – you know, when you're when you're looking at that range, I still want my guys to have some sort of NFL future potentially. I don't. I mean, Mo Ibrahim will get drafted. He'll end up on a roster. I don't know how much he's going to do in the NFL. Uh, he's has a combined 517 carries and 15 catches. He does not catch passes at all. I don't well, think he's part of that's the offense. I mean, we true. It's one of those things where I just don't think we know. Like the offense doesn't do it enough. It's like uh, Jonathan Taylor at at uh, Wisconsin. Not to, I'm not comparing those two players. Don't, <laughs> don't cut that and say like I. I feel like there's probably a sentence there that you can clip it to make. No, it please, like yeah, that, but. somebody please clip that. Send that to me. Um, you know, we'll use that on the next Debbie debate hyperbole uh, show. Uh, no, but I'm with you. The offense doesn't do it a lot, but I also don't think he can do it. I haven't really seen anything that suggests that he would lend himself to be a good passing pass catching back at the next level. So that limits him, you know, and then, yeah, I do think he's heavier than 210 pounds. He's probably 215, 220. Uh, you know, so I think that that's a good thing though. He's got the NFL size, but I think that's going to lend him to stick on a roster somewhere. And I feel better about that than the rest of these guys. But that being said, like I said, a one ADP of one fifteen still a little too rich for me. You know, I think a lot of his production last year came from those fifteen touchdowns, which is that repeatable? Fifteen touchdowns—that's a lot. You know, I think we're probably going to look at him 
closer to 11, 10 ish range. Um, you know, his first two years, he had nine and seven touchdowns. So, you know, I, I don't think projecting him for 11 or 10 is, you know, dramatically underselling what he can do, but you know, that's also, you know, now you're knocking off some of his value there a little bit. So I like, I like Mo Ibrahim, but you know, I like him the most out of all these guys, but I, again, not a guy that I'm going to end up with a ton on a ton of rosters. I'm going to push back on your touchdown narrative there because he did that in seven games. Even if you normalize the pace a little bit, I think he can hit that easily. They're blooding in a bunch of new wide receivers there. Mm, that's true. But I still think the offense is going to be good. So, you know, he should have opportunities in the red zone. Um, so I, I'll actually push back on that quite a bit. I think um, wouldn't shock me if he's one of the NCAA leaders in rushing touchdowns um, next year, just the nature of, of how that team is going to work. But I agree with everything you said about his limitations. You know, we don't know if he's a good pass catcher, but we suspect probably not. Um, just not something that that he's been asked to do. And his... Um, his per uh, per catch averages are not particularly stellar, um, which which also lends itself to that a little bit. Um, but you know, I, I think that he's a nice buy. My problem with him is I I think he's a late day three guy. We talked about that a little bit a couple weeks ago when we uh, did our Mel and Todd, and I totally forgot to go Todd 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 Todd. <laughs> so I finally got it in there, everybody. You're welcome. <laughs> um, finally got my Todd Todd Todd. Um, you had that uh, he, plan the whole time, didn't you? <laughs> you bastard. Yes, I. <laughs> um, but I, I think he's a late day three guy. So to get one year out of pro- of production out of him, which is all you're going to get, because then he's gone. Where some of these other guys, you might get more than that. Um, and I, and there's no NFL upside there. Like if, if I'm really pushing for a college ship this year, then sure, I guess I'll t- I'll, I'll I'll go ahead and grab him. But I think I would just go cheaper and get comparable production uh, from somebody else. So I, I think I'm out on Ibrahim at, at pick 115 overall. Next yeah. guy. Oh, go ahead, Colin. No, I was just saying, yeah, agreed. The, the ADP yeah. is what where you lose me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, well, we started with that too, so I lost you early there. I'm sorry. You did. Um, I'll do better next time. Uh, <laughs> so Ulysses Bentley is the next guy here on the list. His April ADP is 177. He is listed at 5'10", 184, which shocked me. I didn't think he was 215 or anything. I thought he was a lot bigger than 184. I thought, uh, you know, 195 was probably his range. Um, but the school ain't going to list him lighter than he is. So, yeah, you know, <laughs> like at, at that size. So, um, 5'10", and 184. Um, last year, he had, in 10 games, uh, he redshirted his first year. Last year was his first regular year. He had... 913 yards rushing at 5.4 yards per carry and 11 touchdowns. And he's a threat in the passing game, 21 catches, 174 yards and a touchdown. So 8.3 yards per reception. It's a solid, solid number there. Our rankings, Colin, you have Bentley at RB 46 and I have him at 48. So very, very close. Again, uh, not too much of a difference there. Colin, uh, how are you feeling about uh, Ulysses Bentley in that SMU offense this year? Um, yeah, I like him in that offense this year. I think he's going to put up uh, pretty good numbers like he did last year there. Uh, you know, he'll probably break a thousand yards rushing. You know, you'll love to see that receiving production. Um, you know, I, I don't think 25 catches, you know, is unreasonable by any means, you know. So, you know, I think you're looking at 1,000 yards, 25 catches, you know, maybe 300, 400 receiving yards in that stretch there, maybe something like that. 
you know, and, and you know, he had 11 touchdowns last year, rushing one through the air. So I think that's pretty repeatable as well. You know, I don't think that's anything crazy. So, yeah, I mean, I think he's going to put up some great numbers. Um, I, I like the ADP at 177. Now we're, we're talking about the range where I am interested. The size, though, does scare me off because I'll be honest, I did not realize he was 184 either. Uh, I'm with you. I thought he was a little closer to 195, um, which is not great, but it's a heck of a lot better than 184. And like you said, they're not going to list him lighter than what he actually is. So that definitely that that's definitely a concern, but I'm not really taking him again for his NFL upsides. You know, again that size. Um, you know, I, I like the receiving ability there, which helps his, potentially his NFL future. But I'm, it's still a pretty big question mark there. So, you know, that being said, like I said, I'm interested in that production you're going to get from him for the next probably three years. You know, I think, I mean, he was a redshirt freshman last year. Everybody gets a redshirt this year. So he's technically a freshman again, I guess. So he could probably stick for another four years. I don't know if he will. They may kick him out the door at some point. But, you know, either way, I think you're looking at three years of solid production from him at the college level. And that's something I can buy into it at the ADP of 177, even if he may not necessarily have the best NFL future. Yeah. And I know we mentioned this a little bit earlier, but it is something that I really consider when I'm building my rankings is how many years, if I don't think a guy's an NFL quality back and I need to figure out how many years I think he yes. has left in college and the more years he has left, the more valuable he is to me, even if, you know, Mo Ibrahim's ceiling might be tiny, tiny bit higher than, uh, you know, Ulysses Bentley or whatever. But, but I want to, if I, if I weigh out, you know, that, that Bentley gives me two or three more years than, than, uh, Ibrahim does, then that matters a lot to me, in my opinion. And I think it's something that I um, don't hear a lot of other people talking about, but I, th- I think it's very, very important, uh, something to consider. Um, that kid runs big for a 184, man. He is not afraid to lower his shoulder, hit somebody. Um, probably going to mess with his longevity a little bit, but sure is fun to watch. So, yeah, it's his body, not mine. I don't have to wake up feeling like crap on Sunday morning. Um I I do question his NFL uh, upside if he does not gain the weight. And again, I thought he was bigger than 185. So that yeah, that, it was disappointing to me when I it took me like four or five weeks into the season to like actually finally look him up. And I was like, man, that there's no way that kid's 184. But you know, um, but but I do really really like him. Like I said, we both have him in what the 40s there in terms mm-hmm. of ranking. Um, and at 177, I would take him. Um, I think I just missed out on him in this draft that I'm in now. I was actually a little bit bummed out about it. I do really like Ulysses Bentley. Um, Next guy here. We have two more here tonight. We have Xavier Valaday. His April ADP was 300 right on the dot. He is six foot 198. Last year, um, Wyoming, uh, Mountain West, you know, they, they started later. He only played five games. 100 carries, 550 yards, four touchdowns. Also had 13 catches for 105 and a zero. A uh, year before that, uh, I mean, every year he's been on campus, he's averaged over five yards a carry. He's been on campus three years. You'd like to see the touchdown numbers be a little bit higher. Not sure Wyoming is an offense that can necessarily support <laughs> that touchdown volume, which is probably why he's a little bit lower for the two of us. Um, between our rankings, Colin, you have uh, Valade at RB60. And I have him at RB fifty three. 
So uh, a little bit lower than some of the guys we've talked about already. Um, how do you feel about Xavier Valade? Yeah, I, I have him at RB60 there. So, you know, again, at this range, you know, I, I'm not super excited about his future, but at ADP of 300, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in that. Um, yeah, especially given his production the year before. Uh, you know, 1,200 yards, six touchdowns, 200 yards receiving, two more touchdowns. You know that those are those are numbers that you you like to see. Um, last year, like only only five games, so hard to say with that sample size. But he's back again this year. He's going to play a full slate of games. Knock on wood. Um, so, but it's only probably one more year. You know, maybe he comes back for another year because, like I said, every, they gave everybody like basically a COVID redshirt. Um, but. I don't think he will. I think he'll leave after next year. So now I'm looking at one year of college production. So ADP 300. Yeah. Interested in that. You know, he starts creeping up any higher than that. Now, you know, one year of college production with a questionable NFL future. I'm starting to get more skeptical at that point. Uh, But fortunately he's not at that point yet. I I have in my couple of leagues that I got him is basically free or super late in drafts. Um, and I, I like him as that kind of a guy. Um, but no, I agree. I think it's fair to list him lower than everybody we've talked about so far. Um, I, I would take him after all of these guys we've talked about so far. Um, you know, not overwhelmingly big, not an overwhelmingly great athlete. He's really not great at anything, but he's very, very solid. He plays in a smaller conference, you know, he, uh, and like you said, only one year production left. Um, so I think his ADP is fair, you know, over 100 spots lower than everybody else we're talking about tonight. I don't know. Maybe that's not fair, but, you know, <laughs> you go to school in Wyoming, you know, you kind of get what you deserve. At that. Like, you know, right. You're not going to be on a lot of radars. Um, I mean, they had Josh Allen a couple years ago, but really, you know, there's not a lot of else that's come out of Wyoming uh, over the past decade. They had, they had that one wide receiver that was there with Josh Allen, and he ended up on the Bears and then didn't do anything, and I cannot remember his name right now. Well, that could be anybody. Ended up on the Bears and did nothing. <laughs> fair point fair point fair point uh so our last guy here tonight guys is cameron peoples the running back at appalachian state april adp of 175 he is 62210. so the biggest back of all the guys we're talking about here tonight last year was his first year that he did anything there he was behind a couple of uh players there including Darrington evans before that last year he put up 168 carries, 1,124 yards, 12 touchdowns, so 6.7 yards per rush. Basically a non-factor in the passing game, three catches, um, but a a big on the ground. Colin, you have Peoples uh, listed as your RB62, and I also have him as 62. I don't think you edited that one before the show, though. That one was happenstance. Yes. Okay. I did not edit this one before the show. Okay. That one, that one was, uh, you know, just both of us being smart. Um, <laughs> this, uh, did you just give me a compliment? Yeah, but I also included myself. That's fair. I can't, That's I can't fair. just give you one separately. That's um, fair. <laughs> I'm just shocked that I got one at all. Mark this down on the day of May 17th. Somebody else, please clip that one as well. <laughs> um, so, Colin, what do you think of uh, people's here? I think I'm pretty surprised that Cameron people's ADP is at 175. He's honestly somebody that I kind of thought would fly more under the radar. Um, 
you know, I, I mean, being from Appalachian state, you know, I, I guess people still remember that game in uh, 2000, was it 2008 or nine against Michigan? Everybody still has it in the back of their head. Everybody keeps an eye on those guys, I guess. I don't know. But yeah, I, I was surprised that he was at ADP at 175. Um, he is a guy that I like, though, uh, because Appalachian State does, you know, they do run the ball pretty well. Uh, you know, and last year put up 1,100 yards, 12 touchdowns, and kind of that wonky year. Um, his size is pretty good, too, 6'2, 210. Um, I'll be honest, I haven't really watched too much of him, so I'm not 100% sure what his athletic level is. Um, I'm just mostly kind of box score scouting, scouting some situations when I when I was looking at him. Um, so I'll have to watch and see what his level athletic level of athleticism is to see if he is an NFL caliber prospect at all. I would probably lean on the side of no, just given you know what I what I've seen a little bit here as well, and his receiving production is non-existent. But um, you know if. If he's a guy who starts to fall with his ADP, then yeah, I would be I would be interested. I think he's, I view him probably well, clearly similarly to Valaday, um, but you know you are gonna with Peoples, you are gonna probably get two years of production versus one. So as I'm sitting here talking about it, maybe I flip flop those two, you know, move Peoples up ahead of him a spot or two just for that extra year of production, like we were talking about before. Yeah, um, I've watched a little bit of him. He is one of those. Um, he's he runs slightly upright, but he's just one of those like long, striding, smooth type running backs. You know, he's less of the uh, you know super quick, twitchy uh, uh, footwork, uh, crazy footwork kind of guys. Um, yeah, that that offense has produced really good running backs over the past couple of years for for college purposes. You know, I anything I'm getting in the hundred and seventy fifth pick of my C two C startup that goes to the NFL is is gravy on top. Um, but I, I like people's it. Uh, I agree with you. It surprised me as well. When I saw him that high, he's not a name that you'd expect people to know. Um, but, uh, you know, in the Sun Belt next year, uh, I could see him doing uh, more damage. And um, so we, we I did want to pull because I know with the receivers, we we pulled some some advanced stats from PFF that that I like to look for, including, you know, a dot slot percentage, things like that, just to see how the NFL would probably like these guys running backs. It's a little bit different. You know, we're not necessarily worried about role for a lot of these guys. Um, you know, there, there's no, you know, slot versus, versus boundary and, you know, X versus Z and all this stuff. So, um, so we pulled um, without consulting any of our data specialists here at campus to Canton, we decided the two, the two things that those guys would probably prefer us to talk about would be EPA per play and adjusted yards per team. Uh, team play. I think I've heard Jarek and, and Chris Moxley talk about those two things. I think so. I plotted all these guys out. And um, if you're looking at the EPA per play, which is expected, um, it's like expected. What is it? It's like how many more, more points or whatever they get like per play. Um, they all, the, all these guys perform horribly in this. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> Rivers is the only guy that hits that really hits like above the line. Like the of demarcation here, uh, you know, Valade is way below it. Uh, uh, Ibrahim finishes close a couple of years, but Rivers is the only guy that finishes above it. So, um, you know, that that's a rough one. Uh, but the adjusted yards per team play, some of these guys do a little bit better. And I'm actually surprised that so Ibrahim did really well last year. 
which surprises me because this also one really factors in the receiving game. Mm-hmm. And as we talked about, Ibrahim doesn't do that at all. But Rivers does very well in this metric. And Bentley did well in his first year last year as well. If he has a couple more big years, I think he's an NFL draft pick. But I think just this just hammers home, you know, uh, Hawani doesn't perform very well in this. Valaday doesn't necessarily perform that well in this. Ibrahim before last year didn't. So a lot of, these guys really aren't NFL draft pick. These are really true college producers with not much Debbie upside. Yeah, I think that, like you said, that kind of illustrates it here. And I'm not going to try to to dazzle anybody with my knowledge of, of stats. But like you said, um, adjusted yards per team play is one of the ones that we have heard Jarek and, and Mox mention a couple times uh, as something that is significant. You know, I lean on those guys pretty heavily when it comes to stats. You know, I pretty much take their word as gospel. So with this stat in mind, you know, Ronnie Rivers is pretty much the only guy that I'm all that interested in as far as that goes, uh, you know, when you start to factor in some of these metrics here. Now, like you said, Mo Ibrahim did have a really nice year last year in this metric. So that does kind of make it interesting. But the year before that, he was the worst person on that list. Um, you know, at, in his year three, he was the worst person on that list. He was below Chris Smith, who, you know, really didn't even do that much. Uh, he was pretty comfortably below Cameron Peoples. So, you know, in their comparatively in their third years out of out of high school, because um, that's how they measure this. So, you know, that's kind of concerning that he didn't do anything before last year in this metric and that he's going to be, you know, a fifth year guy. So I'm still kind of, you know, that, that still, still makes me hesitant on him there as well. So, like you said, we're pretty much looking at all of these guys as CFF options only. Um, and then when we're talking about that, you know, ADP does come pl- play a pretty big role in that. Yeah. So uh, last thing for tonight here, guys, we uh, we have our uh, freshman profiles here that we're going to do. Colin, you chose a quarterback. So jump on in on him. Uh, yeah. So I chose uh, Jake Garcia out of Miami. Um, he's a guy who you know, reportedly looked good here in, uh, in spring ball. Um, you know, he looked good in their spring scrimmages, uh, according to 24 seven, you know, he went a combined 52 for 71 for 604 yards, four touchdowns and one interception during their three scrimmages this spring. Um, you know, he was reportedly looking really good against that first team defense, you know, when he was getting the reps against them and, he got plenty of reps against them with uh, Derek King, you know, rehabbing his ACL. Um, you know, obviously, it's hard to say. You know, he he pretty much has the number two job locked up by by what is what what we're hearing here. So, you know, I think he is the number two job locked up there. Now, it's gonna a lot of it's gonna depend on how Derek King does in his rehab, because you know I. I'm a little skeptical that he's going to be ready at the start of the season, but it does sound like he might be ready at the start of the season here. But, you know, either way, Jake Garcia has a prospect, um, 6'3", 194, so he's got pretty good size, needs to bulk up a little bit on the weight. But, you know, I think that'll come in uh, in time at, at a D1 program there. And, you know, then he's a high four-star guy. He's the number five pro-style quarterback, so he has some of that pedigree. And... He has definitely has a strong arm. You know, that's one of the things that's going to stand out to you on tape. There's definitely some pop in that arm. He's, it's NFL caliber. He's also a gunslinger. 
You know, he's not afraid to fire to the tight windows, which is not something that you see that often out of high school quarterbacks. Um, so, you know, I, I did like to see that he, he was very confident in himself. He's not afraid to, you know, like I said, throw it in there, let his guy go make a play. He does have a little bit of odd throwing mechanics. You know, he kind of throws over the top. There's a little bit of a leg kick, at least in his high school tape. Um, it it kind of has like a baseball type feel to it, which is not necessarily a bad thing. Just something to note, you know, just something that I wanted to keep an eye on. You know, obviously with his performance in spring, doesn't sound like it's anything that's going to limit him here. Um, so just something to kind of keep in the back of your mind when you're looking at it. Uh, now, he is a pro-style quarterback, but I do think he can move a little bit there uh, in the pocket. You know, he's he's got enough mobility uh, that he can escape some pressure. You know, he could pick up a first down on the scrambles, but he's not going to really bring a lot of his legs. Um, so he's he has enough mobility that I'm okay with his level there. But from a fantasy perspective, I wouldn't expect him to to be Derek King or anything like that. Um, you know, and then when you're looking at him throwing the ball, a good general accuracy. You know, I like he does put his wide receivers in position to do something after the catch at times. Would like to see him do it more, but I think that's something that he can develop. You know, I saw enough of it on his um, tape that I think he was, you know, he can definitely make a step in this area. And it, like I said, you know, he had a good spring, so it's sounding like he did take a nice step forward there. Um, he also shows nice touch on the deep ball too, which, you know, given their receivers that they have, you know, that could be beneficial there as well. Cause they don't really have that, you know, over the middle type of a guy, like a Brevin Jordan that they used to have, you know, they're kind of looking at Will Mallory there. So the receivers that they have are a little bit more on the outside. So the deep ball that could definitely benefit him. Um, one thing that does give me some pause with taking him anywhere is the fact that the Miami is one, you know, expecting Garrett King to come back. So now you're kind of looking at, um, you know, next year being his year, except they're also bringing in Jacuri Brown, uh, who's a high end quarterback prospect for next year. Uh, you know, and he's a guy that, you know, we were talking about it before the show. He's kind of ready made in the uh you know to step into that offense and fill a similar role that De'Ara King is filling. I don't think they would have to change that offense that much for him whereas Jake Garcia is a, is a different quarterback than De'Ara King. So you know it, it's it's a matter of how good does he look? Can he fend off Jacuri Brown who I have it pulled up here now. He's a uh four-star guy and he's the number 4 dual threat quarterback in that class. Uh, I didn't have that up before. But you know, so it's a question of can he fend off him? I think he can, but like I said, we were talking pre-show, and he was a guy that you liked. So, you know, I have to dig into Jacuri Brown a little bit more. But there's a little bit of pause on him just automatically stepping in and being the guy next year. Um, all that being said, though, I do think Jake Garcia is a good prospect. So if he does get beat out, it's not that big of a deal because he'll probably transfer somewhere else. <laughs> Yeah, um, it's going to really depend on what um, <clears throat> if they want to maintain that same offense because Garcia cannot do what De'Ara King does. No offense to Jake Garcia, who looked really good in that spring game. He can't do what he does, and he can't do what Curry Brown does either, who, like you said, is coming in next year. Um, so I think he – I'm worried he's a trap right now 
at what his current what he's currently going at. Um, I'm in a draft right now. I'm trying to see where he went. Um, he went a bit earlier than I was willing to go. He went pick. He went to 1005, pick 113, um, which which is it's it's pretty solid if you think he's going to take up that drop next year. But if he doesn't, uh, it's a big wasted pick with Jacory Brown coming in. So I agree with that. Um, I picked Dwayne Lofton here tonight, who is a receiver that's going to be at Virginia Tech next year. He is 5'11", 179, a three-star, and he was the 64th rated athlete in his class. So was not listed at wide receiver. Uh, he was listed as an athlete. Um, he has been making quite the name for himself at Virginia Tech to the point where the coaches have said that he has a chance to start here uh, in the next um, year or so. Um, he, he's a lot of fun when you watch him, he in pros, he is incredibly versatile in high school. Um, he lined up all across wide receiver positions. He lined up at running back. He lined up a wildcat quarterback, so he can do everything, which is awesome. He is an extremely explosive athlete. I think he's going to be able to dominate people at the line of scrimmage with his quickness and his burst and win matchups early on in the play. He can win in contested catch situations. You know, he's 5'11. He's not super tiny and almost 180 pounds. Uh, he did surprising what surprisingly well in that aspect. And he is just crazy elusive in the open field. He's very tough to bring down. And perhaps my favorite thing about him, he is competitive. He has a mean stiff arm. He's got swag. He's cocky. He fights on every play. He wants to win on every single down. I love that about him. I love that at the wide receiver position. I think he does that. Um, so so give me some, some Dwayne Lofton. The only thing that I will say about him is, like I said, he's a little undersized. So hopefully he can bulk up over the next couple of years, but he has a few years to do so. And he doesn't need to get to 210. You know, if he gets to 185, 190, we're probably happy about that. Um, but that is my uh, my presentation on Dwayne Lofton. Any questions open to the audience? No, no. <laughs> um, no, I, I like Dwayne Lofton. Uh, I do. I think that, um, you know, Jarek back is special, Tavian Robinson. Uh, I believe Chris uh, Chris Moxley is a big fan of him as well. Uh, obviously, he's standing in the way there. But, you know, beyond that, we're really pretty open depth chart there. So I think he has an opportunity right away. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's going to be a uh, a nice spot there for him. Um, all right, so I think that's our show for tonight, guys. Um, again, just uh, we we like we said, we thank you at the beginning of the show for rating and reviewing. Please continue to do so if you have not yet. Uh, be on the lookout for uh, Canton Bound, the NFL side of things here, our, our late week companion show. And make sure you're getting over to the site, guys. We did just finally put um, the ADP data and Jarek's uh, visualization tool behind a paywall. Uh, only two ninety nine a month. So if you're going to be using this thing for a couple of drafts, guys, I mean, it's like plus than a cup of coffee to help you do better in a draft. I mean, you can't really go wrong. Um, the ADP data itself is is helping me right now. I'm in, you know, the program uh, division three draft right now, and and I've been using this thing religiously the whole time. So yeah. if you're in the program division three, stop listening. Please tune out two minutes ago. Don't use that ADP data. Everybody else, please use the ADP data. Yeah. Yeah. Beyond that, we have our articles. We have the podcast. Make sure you're checking out Why Wait Till Sunday and Debbie Debate. Um, but that is all we have for tonight, guys. Until uh, ne- later in the week here, I am Austin. And this is Colin. Have a good week, guys.